Yo, yo, what's good, everyone? And welcome to another episode of the Behind the Baller podcast, coming to you live and direct from Hollywood, California. This show is recorded in real high-definition sound with production by the Dust Brothers, that's Miles and Jordan, aka the podcast producers of the year. And I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble, aka the Korean John Cusack, aka Mr. Shane King, aka the Wash Lord, aka Odessu, aka the motherfucking Forrest Gump of hip-hop. On today's show, we got a life lesson, a dad struggle story, uh, some fool tried to pull a fast one, a shysty one, on the on old boy, okay? My experience in Seattle at the first home game at Lumen Field, which actually happened to be the first Monday Night Football game in the new season, meeting Draymond Green and doing his show, and a lot more on another brand new banging episode of BTB, Lakey Lake, BTB Army, let's motherfucking go. So on the last episode, I was talking about Ryder. It was kind of sad because he was getting bullied. Like, not really bullied, like verbally, you know? Like, it was just weird because it's a friend of his. And, you know, I've never seen him cry like this before. He was crying so hard that he couldn't breathe. He was sweating. He's conscious about his weight. And, you know, I want him to toughen up. Ryder's a soft, pure, nice kid, you know. And the thing about it is, and not being biased, he is a fucking handsome boy. He is a very healthy boy. Yes, he might be a little, he's a little solid. He's a little thick. He's not fat though. Even in American standards, right, of, of some people are skinny and whatever and this and that. And um, it's not even just the fact that he is a great handsome boy. And I love that he's healthy. I love that he has a good appetite. I love that he's solid. But what makes Ryder special, he's such a fucking charismatic, charming kid. And there's no doubt about it that he got my personality, my game, the way he talks. He just blows people away all the time. And it's something that even if my wife will say certain things about me, what I mean is not negative things, but just when she talks about anything, she'll always say that, she, that he's got your fucking personality, period. You know, Ryder's eight years old. He lives a super sheltered life. We don't let him outside the house, you know, by himself. He rarely gets to go hang out with his friends on his own. He has. You know, mostly he's at my mother-in-law's house if he's out somewhere, or one of his best friend's cribs. And like, um, you know, he's fine with it. He does have some, I've talked about this before, he does have a, a weird sixth sense. And I think that kind of freaks him out. But the thing is, he goes to mass, you know, and I think about church sometimes. I think about maybe that might be a scary place. I don't know. But I think about the fact that he's not allowed to walk outside and go meet a friend, go ride his bike and certain things. And I think about other parents, other way people were raised. And Nicolette was raised very strictly. She wasn't allowed to go out of the house for, I don't know how long. She never let go to the mall with her friends. She always had a chaperone somehow. And her parents are strict when it came to her. Definitely very strict. And you know what? I and mean, look, I get it. You know, there's some fucking sick fucking people out there. And to be honest, Nicolette has been very pretty since shit. Probably Ryder's age. I only think I've seen like 12 or 13 year old or when she was 16 and stuff. And Nicolette was always pretty. You know, I'm very lucky man. She looks better now than she did when I first met her. No, that's no cap. Like no surgery, no nothing. It's just been crazy. But I think about how sad he was. And I'm like, look, you got to just fight back. You know, he's in jujitsu. He's sparring, you know, and, and I don't think he's gotten hit yet, right? He's been hit by certain things, but he's been working out hard. He's breaking a sweat. He's, he loves it. He's been doing jujitsu for many months now. 
And I tell him, you know, I haven't had the conversation with him yet. And I'm not going to make up stories. My dad never lied to me about stories about anything, except for the maybe, maybe didn't tell me everything, but I don't think he lied about certain shit. There's things that my dad did that sounded absolutely fucking insane. Because I think about when I used to walk to school. I think about when I used to take the bus at fucking eight years old by myself. You know, times are different back then. You could leave your bike outside, all that shit. They didn't steal it. There's all kinds of shit, right? But I really think about the fact that at eight years old, I had already been in jail, right? 1980 fucking one. I got arrested in Cerritos. I talked about it on the K-Town Hustler series. And I was in fucking jail at eight years old. Got arrested again at 12. Got arrested again at 16. And the good thing is I never had to go to juvie, right? I couldn't imagine what juvie hall must have been like. And you know, I dealt with gang shit when I was a kid. With no big deal. I don't tell tall tales on here. But then I think about what my dad did. And that was like, 1942, I believe, right? When he was eight. I'm asking you guys like the fuck you know. But I remember walking far when I was a kid. I saw how far one area was to another. And I think maybe on a trek walking through certain areas, I might have covered two miles. I remember walking from my house to my junior high, which is the furthest junior high I went to was Virgil Junior High School. That's right off uh, Vermont and um, 2nd Street. And Vermont and 2nd Street to Kingsley and Olympic. In fact, you know what? We're going to Google this in real fucking time. From my house to Virgil Junior High School was two miles. Don't ask me why I would walk. But sometimes I would. And it, we have to go through hoods. Had to go through mid-city little locals. Had to go through fucking... Just random ass Desiocho, 18th Street hoods, right? I used to run with Rockwell Street back in the day. This is something I've talked about. But two miles seemed a lot further than it is. And you think about it, in LA traffic, especially on Vermont, it could be a motherfucker, you know? And it wasn't, there was no traffic back then. But I think about just going four blocks, and blocks aren't that long by where I live. And it would take, Eight blocks maybe to get to a store from my house, right? Give or take. I couldn't see fucking Ryder getting to the store. That was crazy, right? No sense of direction. But he's definitely the most street savvy out of my three kids. London, forget about it. But London's sense of direction is pretty good. They all know, well, I don't think Kaya does, but London Ryder knew our address and they knew certain things. But I think about that, right? And I'm like, how are you crying off this kid who looks like fucking, you know, and I won't even say it because I don't want to fucking piss him, but, but like, you know, you think about the obvious shit, right? When you're a kid, you got friends who look like whatever. You know, I had a fucking kid who used to wear eye patch, who was my best friend in, in elementary school. Now I think about he's in third grade now. I had friends, that, whatever, no big deal. But he just doesn't know how to roast you know, it's part of the game and people really get, and, and just like, I can't think about this shit. Like, I remember dudes used to piss on motherfuckers' lunches and people get fired up and whatever. And I couldn't imagine it. I was like, yo, I remember dudes trying to bully me and I'd fight back. And I remember we were bullying some kid and I remember four people were bullying him before me. And I remember I went to push him and he fucking hit me in the nose. And I got a bloody nose. I was like, all right, cool. I got my payback later. And I'm thinking like, the fuck am I getting payback for this motherfucker? I provoked his ass. But I just think about this, right? And, and you know, I want to give him a hug because he didn't do anything wrong, you know? I want to tell him, look, it's going to be all right. And Nicolette's like, don't worry about it. My, you know, in-laws are, are very, very, very super kind to the kids. My mother-in-law never has ever really yelled at them before. And like, I think about my mom even. And my mom was fucking tough on me. And you ever realize that grandparents are so much easier and easygoing compared to how they were with you. It's fucking crazy, right? I don't give a fuck how mean your parents were. They're just not mean to their grandkids. It's weird. So I think about unconditional love. 
unconditional love is something that never existed in my life. I don't have unconditional love for anybody, even my kids. I wouldn't say that. I mean, you know, they're so young right now, I guess, right? But when you really think about that word unconditional and why it's bad, when you could do no wrong to someone that loves you unconditionally and you even tease at the fact of flirting with taking advantage of that situation, whether that be lying to get more money, lying to stay out longer, lying to, you know, not hurt their feelings, whatever the fuck it may be. It's something I don't believe in. And I want you guys to understand that. I want to think that most of the people that listen to the show probably didn't grow up with unconditional love. Unconditional love is you kill your dad's dog for whatever reason, whether you're a sick fuck or you just wanted to see what the fuck would happen. You didn't have common sense, whatever. And they don't get upset. You break your dad's favorite fucking, I don't even fucking know, speaker. Because, you know, we had cassette players back then, or stereos, VCRs and shit like that. Stuff that you guys have no fucking idea. You guys don't know what a fucking DVD player is, really. You know? And no one gets mad. Right? For instance, the kids know not to come down to the man cave and touch bare bricks and shit. They know this shit is very dangerous. They know. They know. Now, my wife has things that are really nice, you know, like a purse or something, or like her Hermes slippers. And like, how mad can you get at a dog for buying your expensive shit? You'll be upset, but then you just be like, fuck. And you think about the monetary value, whatever it is, something you liked. could be beyond that, right? I'm not super attached to my material possessions. One of the reasons being is I didn't pay for a lot of them. A lot of them were gifted. Even if I bought some polos here and there, that golf polos, I really don't care. Expensive shoes here and there. All that shit could be replaced. But yet, the principle of somebody fucking with your property, whether it be a family, friend, whatever, you know, I see people trip on shit way less. And that's why I don't loan anybody money. If I'm going to help somebody out, I'm going to give them the money. Right? And there's just, has to be a reason why I feel like it's justified. If I feel like, you know, yo man, you all right, man, you good? I would ask him that if I was going to help or her, whatever it may be. And I just wanted to touch base on this because I see kids who do no wrong with their parents and people are like, oh man, you know, whatever. Punishment. I'm, we're soft. Take away their iPad. The fuck do they even have an iPad at fucking eight years old, at nine years old? They have iPhones, internet, all this shit. It's crazy. My kids are spoiled. And I'm part of that. I get it. But as far as when me and my wife battle on things on the parenting side, when she needs real discipline, she calls me. But then I'm the bad guy, right? But when it comes to real punishment, certain things like go to the room, close the door, that really fucks them up in a while, right? Time out, shit like that. But like, it don't work as good as she thinks it does. For the most part, my kids are good. They don't go out and fucking do bad shit. They don't go out and say crazy things. And my son was provoked, Ryder was provoked to say something absolutely crazy. I don't know where the fuck he got it from. And he says some things sometimes that don't come from me, right? And I'm sure women must think like, he must got that from his dad. I'm like, yo, he can get that shit from me. Don't put that shit on me, right? I'm not even gonna say what the fuck he said before. But I just think about that unconditional love thing because I dated a girl years before me and Nicola were together. And I thought maybe we'd get married. It was that serious. She was a little young. And I was much younger. And I realized the way she moved, the way she acted, for everything else besides the fact that her dad, she could never do no wrong in her dad's eyes. I was like, yo, man, this has got to be the fucking worst situation you could be in. Now, with Nicolette, it's very similar, right? And I know her dad listens to the pod a lot. But they were still strict on her. So that right there kind of bypassed the part where I know that there was battles when she was a teenager and she wanted to go out and she wanted to party and do whatever and have a boyfriend, whatever the fuck you may call it. And for the most part, they kept her in check for whatever it may be. 
but I just think about my kids. If you love somebody, you know, it's enough to have that emotion to be able to talk to them, tell them why you're mad at them and everything else. If you unconditionally love somebody, you're not going to be upset at them for any reason. Oh, they called off plans. They do certain things, whatever. There's all kinds of weird shit. I don't know why the fuck certain people, whatever. There's maybe you never did anything and someone's mad at you for something. Motherfuckers ain't mind readers. Let a motherfucker know why you mad. And then some people don't know. There's a lot of misunderstandings in life. And misunderstandings are one of the biggest reasons why friends break apart. And that's why a lot of times I don't even let people know because I don't care enough. And then sometimes people that I love, I don't let them know sometimes too because I'm just like, fuck it, ain't no big deal. But then I realize when it's coming from me and they might be mad about something I said and I didn't intend for it to be mean because I have a kind of a strong voice. And a lot of you haven't been around me. Some of you have. So then I got to tell my wife, yo, yo, I was not mad at all, just so you know. And still, after 13 fucking years, my wife may think I'm talking to her a certain way, and I'm not. Because I have a condescending speech, like it's projected when I talk in a condescending way or in a sarcastic way. And, and it's just how I am. And maybe that's a problem with me. Maybe it's because I've been exposed to too much death or too much fucking negativity, whatever the fuck it is. And I've been kind of numb to a lot of things that should be to make me more emotional, you know? And some of you are like, what the fuck is Ben talking about? I'm talking about anyone who says they were raised by somebody who loved them unconditionally. They are going to expect that out of you. And I've already talked about this before. In my eyes, when you get married, I don't give a fuck how much I love my daughter, my son, my other son. I shouldn't be more important. I'm sorry. If Kai gets married, I should not be more important than her husband. She's married the wrong person if her husband isn't number one. And I'm, you know what I'm saying, compared to me, I should be number two until their first child is born. And it should go down that route. Because as much as I love my mom, Nicolette comes before my mom, period. That's what I believe in. It's us against the motherfucking world. If I'm on the run, then she's got to be, you know what I'm saying? She's got to have my back and she does. And the same goes for me. I think she knows more than anything, even though sometimes my wife feels like I don't support her enough. I know for a fact she knows if something happened to her, Liam Neeson would come out fuck taken. We, we would do some whole other shit. I would go, I would think of everything that's, that I'm mad about in my life, which I shouldn't be mad about, but I would let it all out on that person. And it wouldn't even be, they wouldn't even understand. You know, like I, I would do some evil shit. So if I loved my daughter unconditionally, and she wrecked my car and did all kinds of shit or whatever it may be. And I never got mad about it. She's going to think it's okay to do that to people that love her and that she loves and whatever. And she's in a relationship with somebody. No, that ain't cool. That's basically what the message I'm trying to say. And I'm just overly explaining it so people overstand it. I don't want you to understand it. I want you to overstand what the fuck I'm saying. And, and I really mean that shit. It was just something I thought about. been thinking about for days. Thinking about it with London, Ryder, Kai. Sometimes they don't get it. They're like, how can you get Because, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll run them at their grandparents because they know that I'm going to get upset about something and, and their grandparents won't get mad at them. They're going to learn later in life. And I know my kids love me to death. I already know that. But even Kai is getting that way a little bit right now with me, with Nick, and it's tough, you know. And it's got nothing to do with anything else. They'll understand in life, you know. There's just, it's a long process. But I just want to talk about that. It was crazy. Anyways, Speaking of Nicolette, her cousins are in town from Germany. And they've been coming here since we first started dating. They've been coming here since 2010. And um, when they first came here, they barely spoke English. Like, and they were just, their eyes were wide the fuck open. I was out there 
12 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like I was out in the streets. I was out. We were still going out. We had no kids. We would go and do all kinds of shit, stay out to three fucking four in the morning, watch movies and just do whatever. It was, you know, I mean, I was cool. You know, it was different. I would take, you know, his name is Danny. I would take Danny out, take him to go meet Justin Bieber, take him in a studio session with ASAP Rocky, take him in a fucking car and we would go to the Santa Monica beach to go get funnel cakes and shit with Danny. And he'd, he'd be like, what the fuck, man? This is mind blowing. Take him to have dinner with me, Kendall Jenner, ASAP Rocky and fucking Melanie Griffith of all people, the most random shit. Like we'd go do shit that he's, does no one fucking believe me right now that I'm having dinner with Kendall Jenner. Like literally at the same table, yes, having dinner. And you know, when I met Danny, he was fucking 17 or 16. He's 29 years old now. He has a baby. He's a father. He's changed totally. So, you know, I want to take him out and stuff, but I'm trying to explain to him that I can't go out like I used to. Some of you motherfuckers ain't going to understand that, and some of you will. When I go in public, I've said this, I don't know how many fucking times I never post the location I'm at until I'm already gone. Unless there's a paid meet and greet, and if there's a paid meet and greet, please believe there's guns present. Understand that. There are guns, plural. There are multiple guns present and multiple licenses to shoot motherfuckers. So I'm not really too worried about that type of shit. But just going to the Grove and the Americana and certain places I want to go to, like it can't happen the way I want to do it because, you know, I get bothered. It's not really like an annoying thing, but, you know, you just never know, right? It's, you know, I, I don't frequent Melrose or Fairfax anymore, not because I'm scared. I just fucking want to be out there for and, and, you know, just avoid the drama. It's not really an inconvenience for me, but when Danny and his new wife want to go hang out, you know, I want to show them a good time, show them out. So there's things that we'll do. They just got in town and I was out of town in Seattle. So, you know, I took them out to this restaurant on Sunset that is real easy. I go to, you know, here and there, but I used to go there a lot and it was a real sceny place. But the reason why I like it is because it's not priced crazy high, but the price is cool. You know, you want to eat and get full, you know, with tip and everything probably be like 200 bucks for four people. Some people are like, that's just crazy. It's really not that bad in LA. But if you can't relate, then look, you know, I'm just telling you what I do, right? So the place is called Le Petit Four. It's on Sunset Plaza. At one point, this was really considered an upscale restaurant. Now, it ain't some middle-class place. It ain't Red Lobster or fucking Olive Garden or some shit. You know, it's much nicer than that. But the food is really good, right? If you're going to go there, they got all kinds of shit. I used to eat strike tartare there and all kinds of stuff. But if you like penne or you like any kind of pasta, their penne Toscana, fucking lit. Always done al dente, a little spicy, right? It's got like ground beef, but a certain seasoning. Some of y'all might not rock with the seasoning, right? But they have a penne pink sauce that's fucking A1. Calamari is lit. The French fries are good. They got a lot of stuff there. Sandwiches are good. Everything's good there. But that's not the reason for the story. The story is, I'm telling my cousin that shit's bad here. Motherfuckers are doing, you know, smashing grabs. People are getting robbed left and right. People are getting fucking killed left and right. And he knows who PNB Rock is. And I want to kind of give, you know, more of a separate thing about that. I'll talk about that after. But we're driving through Hollywood, going down La Brea, and I get to the light. There's a shell station on the northwest corner of La Brea and Fountain Avenue. Fountain Avenue's always been like a little like expressway from Highland to La Cienega. It ends at La Cienega. You can kind of cut through there instead of using Sunset or Santa Monica Boulevard or Melrose even. And, you know, it's kind of a cut through to go to whether you want to go to West Hollywood, where you want to go to Beverly Hills, whatever the fuck it is. So my intentions were to go all the way to La Cienega, where it ends, go down, make a left, make a right at Holloway, go around, make a right on Sunset, and then park. But I get behind the newest, latest Chrysler 300C. I wasn't paying attention. And the car was, you know, it's all black, had Florida plates, 
and the windows were tinted. And he's at the light. The light is green. And now the counter's on. And I was kind of just chilling. I'm just no rush, really. Kind of in a rush because I want to go pick up the kids after we get lunch. And I see the light go down to like 17, 16 feet. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? So I honk the horn. He moves up just a little bit. And I started realizing, you know, no one's even crossing the street. What the fuck are you doing? Now I'm being a little calm because he has his wife. I have, I have his wife. His baby's in the back seat with them. My wife's in the front. And she's like, no, there's nobody there. And usually she gets mad at me if I start rushing again, mad about road rage or nothing. But I'm like, what the fuck's going on? So I start to kind of go around now and take over the left lanes, two lanes on Fountain. And I get to the side and I see the dude slow down even more. I'm like, what the fuck's this guy doing? I look in the car, windows are tinted. I could see the seats are down, which is weird, right? People drive down. And I see there's three people. I could see three silhouettes. What I do see is I see a bright do-rag. And I'm like, okay. Now looking in the car, seeing whatever. You can't really see him. My, my car's tinted too. But maybe from the rear window, maybe they notice me. No idea. Now the person starts driving slow by side. I'm in a fucking Tesla Model S Plaid. So I start smashing down the street. Now, there's weird construction going on. There's a lot of zigzagging going on. So I'm passing three or four cars. I'm going to the left lane. I get into the right lane. There's one lane closed now after like a light or two. And I make a zigzag to get the fuck out of there. My intention was to go all the way down La Cienega. This dude is following me. Now, he's zigzagged through a few cars. And he was going really slow. And now he's behind me by two or three cars. So I'm like, what the fuck? So I make a right turn on Fairfax instead of going all the way to La Cienega. Today we make the Crescent Heights nothing. Make a right turn on Fairfax. I smash. I'm doing 85 miles per hour to get to Sunset to make a left. Now, I make the left turn on Sunset at a very late, late yellow light. I'm looking at everything. I'm a good driver. I think most people do know I'm a, I'm a really good driver. Make the light. I know there's a baby in the car. Careful. My wife understands what's going on. She even says, these motherfuckers are following us. As I make the left turn and it's red and now traffic's going, I see the car pull up to Sunset. So he had to be driving. And I'm in the fucking plaid, so you know this is faster than any Lamborghini, any Ferrari. He had to be smashing foot on the pedal all the way down the ground. I get stuck at a light at Laurel and Sunset where the Laugh Factory is. I stop. Nicolette's like, what the fuck are you doing? I've been kind of lax lately. Open the trunk, grab my gun, which usually is on me, pull out my fucking SIG, put it on my person. And I'm like, I can't fucking believe this shit got me. Like, I can't believe these motherfuckers. Is real. This is crazy. So now I'm like, look, I'm not even tripping. They want to come to the car, break the window, whatever. I'm not even thinking twice. I'm just shooting them, period. And I know it sucks for everyone in the car, whatever, but it's going to avoid a lot of other drama after or some other shit. Was it worth it? I don't know, bro. Look, don't fuck with me. I didn't fuck with you, right? So... That situation just really just threw me the fuck off. It was just so fucking weird. And with all that said, LA is really getting fucking crazy. It's fucked up. So, unless you've been living under a rock, or maybe you don't listen to hip-hop at all whatsoever, dude named PNB Rock, rapper from Philadelphia, passed away. He died. He was murdered just uh, two days ago. And um, was it three days ago? Well, shit, four days ago, because, you know, it's Thursday now. So he was murdered. He was at the Roscoe's in South Central off Manchester. A lot of people said Inglewood, but it's not the one in Inglewood. The one in Inglewood is like literally by the 405 freeway. This is South Central. I don't know what the fuck PNB Rock was doing in South Central. I don't know if he thought shit was sweet, but he was there having lunch with his girl and his baby. Now, Personally, I knew PNB Rock, right? We've talked many times through DMs. He follows me on Twitter. I follow him back. We've met each other a few times. Cool dude. We talked about jewelry. I never had the time to make any. But dude was legit. He was cool. Doesn't look like a tough guy, but, you know, he came from the streets, and I guess he's been in some gangster shit. I've seen him. There's been some shit where, I don't know, they jump somebody, whatever. But he's just chilling. And apparently his girlfriend posted the location of where they were. People were on his girlfriend. They saw, boom, pull up to the Roscoe's and killed him right there. Like, it was crazy. And I know the owner of Roscoe's. Like, they killed him in that Roscoe's. I've been in that Roscoe's 
many times. When I say many, I'm not talking about five, 10, 20. I've been there many times. Gets killed inside the Roscoe's, right? Everyone starts blaming the girl. Why'd you post location, blah, blah. Now, I talk about how important it is to not post where you are and whatever it may be. And, um, you know, that's a lesson to be learned on her end, but it's not her fucking fault. It's the piece of shit motherfuckers that robbed him's fault. It's the broke ass motherfuckers who are hating, don't want to work, don't want to put any work in and just want to be clowns and derelicts and just do some bullshit. Rest in peace, PNB Rock. Sad fucking situation. It's fucking crazy. Think about this shit. It gives me chills when I think about situation with fucking Pop Smoke. Him getting a fucking gift from Amiri and the address was on, the for the messenger was on the bag and they found the address. That was much different because that was a private residence. But I just, some of y'all, man, I just need y'all to be careful. That's all I got to say. It's just really, really fucking sad. And uh, we're going to take a commercial break real quick. And, and I just want to talk about all these things because it was real shit that was on my mind. And I was thinking about it on the plane when I was flying home from Seattle. So we're going to get into a commercial break. Lakey Lakes in the background, you already know. Um, yeah, we'll be right back. If you keep on saying you need to make a budget but never do it, if somehow you keep missing credit card payments, if you're afraid to look at your bank statements, then it's time for you to take back control of your financial life. Meet Rocket Money, formerly True Bill, our favorite financial app, my favorite financial app. So why did True Bill change its name to Rocket Money? True Bill is now backed by Rocket Companies and has grown from a bill management app into a full-on personal finance empowerment tool that helps over 3.4 million people with budgeting, lowering bills, canceling subscriptions, and more. You all know I use this app often. Been talking about it since before they even sponsored the show. Members on average save $700 a year. Nobody uses it more than I do, and I can tell you that it works wonders. And with all that growth comes the next evolution in Truebill's story, a new name. Bottom line, Rocket Money is everything I've loved about Truebill, but with just a fresh look and a fresh feel. Start canceling your unused subscriptions and save money at rocketmoney.com slash baller. That's rocketmoney.com com slash baller or download the app from the apple app store or the google play store in an era where watching sports means making money from your couch there's only one team to join captain picks captain picks was created to help break all bookies for beginning betters or seasoned veterans strategy expertise bankroll management by signing up for a daily, weekly, or monthly subscription, you receive an all-access pass to curated U.S. and global sports picks that are made by professional handicapping captains 24-7. Make money around the clock. This is a community built of men and women just like you who want to win but don't have time to attack the lines alone. Celebrate the one-year anniversary of Captain Picks by using promo code HBD at checkout for 30% off any subscription at CaptainPicks.com. Captain Picks, the time to win is now. Yo, yo, we're back. I downloaded that new iOS 16 on my iPhone. Downloaded on both iPhones that I got. That shit's kind of crazy. Definitely changed the home screen around. Kind of, you know, obviously the, the biggest thing that everyone wants is you can unsend a text now. The thing is, if that person doesn't have iOS 16, then you unsending a text doesn't work. So if they're on the old iOS system, you can't unsend a text. It won't matter. They'd have to be on the new system. Now, you could edit your text, which is actually even better. So when you do a spell check shit, you could edit that shit. 
And they, I think they have to be on there too. But there's all kinds of shit. I don't even know you could fucking send like a disappearing text or like a fucking, you could send a picture. Let's say a chick wants to send a nude and have like fucking fairy dust all over it. So you got to sit there and like, I don't even fuck. I just seen all kinds of creation. I'm not that iPhone literate. I can do things that you need to do, but all the crazy other shit, it just moved around. But I don't know. I just, look, I seen the iPhone 14. I said, I wasn't going to get a 13. I said, I wasn't going to get the 12. And again, don't know why. You know what? I got sucking in the camera shit. This is as good as the fucking camera's going to get. I don't give a fuck how much better it gets. Fuck the iPhone 14. I'm not getting it. It's not about the money. I just don't need it. Both my phones are fucking crisp. Fuck them. But I downloaded that shit. Anyways, I'm going to talk about this Monday Night Football. Going back to Seattle has been, you know, last season, I definitely witnessed some L's. Witnessed very few W's. And the whole talk before the season started was, we're not going to win four games, we're not going to win five games. And I'm going to hear tell you why they're wrong, why everyone's wrong. Okay? I'm sure people I fuck with that know how far, I'm sure they bet, you know, they took the Broncos to win plus the points, which I knew right then and there, six and a half, you bugging. I knew it was going to come in there and work it. And I said it, called it, I felt it. Now, tell you the truth, we should have put up some more points. But let me tell you, first of all, thanks to my boy Quandre Diggs, friend of the podcast, friend of mine. I get a field pass, I get there, and it is fucking already cracking. There was 100,000 fucking people. The stadium holds, what, 70-something thousand? There was another 20,000 outside easily. Fucking tailgating, you name it. Monday night football, first Monday night football game of week one of the season. It was fucking cracking. The city was crazy. The Broncos were staying in my fucking hotel. They were staying on floor seven, floor eight. Russell Wilson was staying on the penthouse where I was. Seen that motherfucker before the night before the game. He had one person with him. There was a dude by the door and we gave each other a good eight second fucking stare at each other. And I'm like, yo, you say what's up, I'm gonna say what's up. Didn't say shit to each other. It was more, it was seven legit seconds. Think about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's a fucking staring contest at that point. Awkward as fuck. Get to the stadium. Didn't have time to play golf anywhere. I was just doing too much shit. I jumped on that man-to-man podcast. You know, I had Michael Dugar on my show. And it's just lit. Love going to that fucking first game. I love every single year, 11 years now. Going to the stadium, it's electric. Get the field pass from Quandre. I get onto the field. First person I see is DK. And I'm like, DK, what's good, dog? DK, what's up? And you know, here's a million people saying DK. I'm like, DK is Ben Baller. As soon as he heard that, he turned right the fuck around. Gives me a big ass hug, lifts me up. I'm like, bro, I ran into Russell. And he's like, what the fuck you say to him? I was like, what the fuck am I going to say to him? And it was just funny. I'm not going to talk about anything else after that. But um, I made some custom blue diamond and green emerald Seahawk color diamond hoop earrings for DK. They're commissioned by a special person. I won't get into it. But he loved them. And I was nervous because I don't want to like, you know what I'm saying, fuck up their mojo, nothing. Next person I saw was Tyler Lockett. We sat and talked for a minute. Congrats to Tyler Lockett. You know, he just got engaged. I made the ring. It's all over the fucking place. Sick ring. We chatted up for a minute. Then Michael Dixon came over. Then fucking Jason, a, a bunch of fucking players. And at, to, to a certain point where a security guard on the field was just like, yo, who the fuck are you? I'm like, oh, I'm nobody. I'm just a friend of friend. He's like, you're a friend of everybody? You work for the Seahawks? I was like, nah. He goes, everyone knows you. I'm like, nah, no, whatever. Starts getting a little crazy on the field. It's, it's actually really hot, which is rare for Seattle. It was like hot, hot. Like I was like dying. I lose my 25th anniversary. I'm sorry, my Super Bowl champion Super Bowl beanie, which actually has been bad luck. Thank God. Most of the times I wore it, we lost. Lost that shit on the field. Get back in the stands. I watched this game. From the moment that Russ came out, he got booed like fuck. Now, remember, CenturyLink Stadium, which is still Lumen Field, was the loudest stadium for years. We had the loudest stadium for years. 
It causes false starts, timeouts, all that shit. You couldn't hear shit. It was so loud in there that Gino and DK were asking the audience to shut the fuck up because they couldn't even do it on offense. It was crazy. So I knew what the fucking deal was already. You know, usually on the first fucking series, we go three and out, didn't happen. Gino came in there, handled shit. I called it on the podcast. I said, Will Disley needs to show up. That motherfucker showed up, first touchdown, boom. I was deaf. There were people in the audience that couldn't, there's Bronco fans, because my home, my seats are in their way section. There were Bronco fans there and a lot of Bronco fans. Nosebleed seats were going to $500. The year we won the Super Bowl and we came back and went back to Super Bowl next year, we were the biggest ticket that the city's ever seen. Everyone was fucking coming out, and the city really gets behind them. You go to fucking Cheesecake Factory, motherfucking every waitress is wearing Seahawks jersey. You go to FedEx, everyone's wearing Seahawks jersey. You see Seahawks jerseys all through downtown, through Bellevue, through fucking Tukwila, through fucking Auburn, through Renton. Anywhere you could think of in fucking Washington, you see people wearing Seahawks jerseys on the day of a game. They were fucking covering their ears, Broncos fans. It was loud as shit in there. Anyways... Our defense is legit. I'm sad to fucking see Jamal Adams is fucking hurt, you know, but our defense is solid. We allowed 16 points from a very good defense from arguably, they say, the top 10 best quarterback in the NFL. Fuck, I didn't put him in higher than that. They think they put him at like number seven. Anyways, don't even matter. We held it down. We got the W. It was fucking deafening loud in there. It was crazy. The energy was out of fucking control. And Gino did it. And I knew he would. And it's funny because I've had this conversation with Jordan. I've had this conversation with Michael Rapport. The problem is they're not Seahawks fans. And they've seen it with the Jets. And it's like Tyler Lockett had this conversation with me. He's like, you know what? How could you even think about whatever Gino did at the Jets? Who the fuck was going to? You could have Matthew Stafford at the Jets. Shit ain't just going to work out. The team sucks and everything sucks about it. And it's true. Gino got a chance. He knows the offense. I really, look, we came... Three big games, we lost by a touchdown. And it was just, he had no snaps. He he didn't have any experience. Came and was ready. He looked good in every which way. And I know he's not our forever QB, but look, motherfucker did the job. And I'm going to be real with you. You know, Miles Davis, the producer here, is a big fucking Niners fan. I'm going to be dead ass honest. People put the Niners up there as a top 10 team, whatever. Look, the Niners ain't it right now, bro. I'm not saying this as a Niner hater because I will give them them flowers when I talk. But look, right now, this team that's out there right now with Trey Lance, nope. I don't want to hear no shit about the rain because Justin Fields, he's all right. He's cool. He played fine in the punk-ass rain. We're 21-3 and three against the fucking Niners in the last 10 years. We going into Levi Stadium and taking a W in there. And that's a fact. Y'all want to come back here? Have me apologize, whatever. It ain't going to happen. I already know. We going to go in there, come out 2-0, and still lead the fucking NFC West, right? Then we come back home, we got Atlanta. Atlanta sucks. I could see 3-0 with Atlanta. I could see us winning seven, eight games this year. And that's more than people thought, you know? But when you get momentum behind something, and with the defense that we got right now, shit. O-line that Russ never had for at least the last five seasons, Gino was barely touched. And it took the fourth quarter for him to get fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. We're going to figure this shit out. And we look good. And I'm fucking excited about it. Now, um, it's crazy because I hit some balls on Saturday. I changed my flight, right? I talked about it on the show. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I didn't hit a ball. It's three days right there. It's the longest I've been in a while without hitting a ball on the golf course, range, whatever. I just came off the best fucking golf game I've ever had in 10 months. So I get into practice. Ron tells me, go hit some balls. Basic shit, I always start with the pitching wedge. Hitting some balls, hit five balls. Three out of the five were good. One was maybe great. Started doing some practice swings, and Ron changes my swing. Fucked my whole shit up the entire fucking session. For the whole hour, I struggled. 
I maybe hit 20 to 33% of decent to really good shots. And I said, Ron, I've barely had this swing for maybe two weeks. Why? And he's like, because we ain't doing no short game, fast bullshit. I'm changing your game for the better. Oh, I'm sorry. You're mad because you're playing fucking around tomorrow or the day after tomorrow because I'm playing tomorrow. Oh, you're mad because you're playing around tomorrow with some pros? Too fucking bad. You didn't tell me that shit. Come get a tune-up later tomorrow, you know what I mean, which is today. Couldn't hit my driver, couldn't do shit. But every good player has gone through a swing change and you got to do it to get better. Because if you do, you stay stagnant, right? And right now my distances aren't great. My driver's okay when, when it was working, you know? And it was because I was very set on one way. And it wasn't consistent, but I was hitting that bitch 275, 290. I've hit it 300 yards, you know, plenty of times, but it wasn't consistent. And now it's even worse, but that's what you got to do. If I want to break 80, I want to get in the 70s and then eventually get to scratch. You know, he's teaching me how to get it so it stays right. So the change don't come for years. And I get to break 80 which I'm trying to do before my birthday. So it just sucks. You got to do it to get better. Fucking Tigers did it. Ricky Fowler did it. Other people have done it. A bunch of people have done it. It just sucked. But yeah, man. Anyway, Seattle was good. It was lit. And I have any special food or nothing. We out there. That was worth mentioning. But it was a dope time. And, and, um, and I appreciate my boy Byung for always taking care of me. But it always makes me fucked up because I think about my cousin Rex and it just still don't sit right, man. But, you know, I went through Bellevue and I saw some great courses out there. They just look so different out there and I was just like itching to play don't have the time I won't have the time next time I'm just too fucking busy I gotta get ready for so much shit that's going on help my wife with the kids and everything and I'm going to Tokyo for a fucking week with Cuddy and other shit try to play out there but um by the way guys we haven't done fan questions in a while sorry fam questions so for Monday's episode we are going to air fam questions you know, the email, bbdtc213 at gmail.com. You have until Saturday morning to send in your questions. So you got you got two days. <laughs> Sorry, you got two days, maybe three. I'll give you till Saturday evening, maybe. So you got a little over two days to send in questions. Ask me anything. If, if I've answered them before, they just won't get answered on the show. But yeah, bbdtc213 at gmail.com and uh, I will answer fam questions, right? It's always interesting when fans ask her, uh, ask the questions. Yesterday, I'm sorry, day before yesterday, Draymond Green invited me to be on his show, Throwing Bones, which is a show about playing dominoes and talking about culture, art, life, dad life, parenting, whatever, racism, everything you can think of, sports. And... um it's an uninterrupted produced show. So that's LeBron's company, uninterrupted. I think him and Maverick Carter. And, uh, you know, it was uh, not too far from Hollywood. And uh, I was really honored that Draymond had asked because I, I never met dude before. And I get there and he didn't know that I made gold dominoes, right? I made gold Ben Baller dominoes. Gave him to him. He fucking was flabbergasted. He was like, yo, these are fucking incredible because he actually plays dominoes a lot. He loves dominoes. And then I realized... You know, Bones is predominantly played in, in black households or by black people, right? And the crazy part is it's more of a game played on the West Coast or in good weather areas. So maybe through Texas, through the South, you know, maybe through Florida, but it's not really a Midwest game. It's not an East Coast game. They play spades and they throw, they throw dice. So Draymond grew up in Michigan. He was talking about that. He didn't know. So... His guests were me, ex-NBA star champion, Katino Mobley, and um, light middleweight champion, Ryan Garcia. So it was a you know, good little mix. And uh, I ain't gonna lie to you, the show was dope. We talked about a lot of shit. We talked about boxing. We talked about racism. We talked about the N-word. We talked about my career. We talked about all kinds of shit. But I can't wait for it to air. I'll definitely give the link when it does air, but me and Draymond got to catch up. It was cool. We got to talk. It was definitely dude is not the dude he is on the court. That's what blew me away. And, you know, people see me in person, don't think I'm the same person. So real cool to get, you know, chop it up. I actually end up doing some other things for them. 
they produced like an NBA Twitter mockumentary that I did. They asked me some other questions. It was lit. It was good. I appreciate it, man. It was dope. And uh, speaking of podcasts, or actually that was a show. That was a show. But I'm doing a podcast today. The fuck am I thinking? Jesus Christ, I need to get ready. It's so fucking early still. Um, I'm doing Michelle Wee's podcast. I think it's called Golf Actually. I'm actually not even fucking positive. But Michelle Wee, former PGA champion, LPGA champion. She was actually in the PGA for a little bit too. But she is a legend, period. Not just a Korean legend, but a golf legend, legit. And Michelle Wee and this girl, Hallie Ledbetter, is, um, they do this podcast. I'm going to go on it. This is a real golf podcast. This will be the first time I do a real golf podcast, probably listened to by mostly real golfers. I would assume that there's probably a lot of LPGA golfers that listen to it, but I don't know what the fuck they're going to ask me, but I'm really hyped to do it because it's a fucking, you know, one super respected person in golf. Her dad happens to be one of the most legendary golfers, golf instructors ever in history. He said some controversial shit. He said that Tiger would never be a champion, which is crazy. But I know Hallie, she's a commentator on the PGA Tour, on the LPGA Tour, the whole nine. It's going to be cool. I respect Michelle Wee. Never met her before. I think it's going to be dope. I'm excited to do that. And uh, a whole lot of shit going on, man. I'm fucking, think I'm going out of town this weekend. I'm not sure, but I'm in Vegas next week. And then I'm in San Diego and then I'm in Seattle again. Weird. San Diego to Seattle again. It's weird. Then I'm all over the fucking place. But yeah, guys. Don't forget, fam questions, you got till Saturday night to submit your questions. I'm hyped to get that going. I got to get these interviews back on too. You know, I'm still thinking about that meet the um, Carlins because that shit is just crazy. And I'm really going to start fucking with that residual income stuff. But yo, have a great weekend. Make it a great motherfucking day. Make it a great weekend. All right. Your boy, Korean Liam Neeson is signing off. And uh, by the way, please subscribe to the show if you haven't subscribed. But I'm really loving the solo dolo. I'm really loving the direct dialed in audience I have. You know what I mean? So appreciate y'all. Subscribe. Suck it easy. I'll see you back on Monday, y'all. All right, peace.